We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Speaker Kevin McCarthy meets with Taiwan's president in California. It's China that's actually trying to change the rules of the game and trying to uh, up the ante through military exercises. Donald Trump's lawyer, Joe Tacopina, goes on offense. I'm telling you, not because I represent the guy, because there's no crime here. For the first time in recent memory, the automotive industry is a seller's market. Unless you absolutely need to buy a car right now, it's probably best to wait a while. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, April 6th. I'm Mike Scott. We're stronger when we are together. On Wednesday, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy met with Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen. Even as China has warned of escalating tensions in the Taiwan Strait. Reporter Nancy Liu says that China is furious with the meeting and has promised new military drills. It's a meeting China warned Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy not to hold, but he is very much the California host to Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen, along with a bipartisan delegation of nearly 20 members of Congress. The topics on the table, democracy, peace and stability. Outside hundreds of demonstrators, those said to be organized by the Chinese consulate, facing off against many Taiwanese Americans in support of independence and aware this meeting angers China which views the island as part of its own territory. Indeed, there is every indication China is furious with word of new Chinese military drills in Taiwanese airspace. President Tsai's U.S. visit is billed as unofficial as she is in transit. In a clear reference to former Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan last year, China warned the U.S. not to, quote, repeat disastrous past mistakes. Observers note similarities in the Chinese response. Liu reports that Speaker Kevin McCarthy has confirmed America's commitment to giving arms to Taiwan. Now, notably, President Tsai is facing election next year in Taiwan, and analysts say her visit in the U.S. will bolster her position with voters in Taiwan who want the island to remain independent. Today, Speaker McCarthy reiterated America's commitment for continued arms sales to Taiwan, and that's an issue sure to provoke China even more. The Speaker hosted President Tsai among a bipartisan delegation, underscoring congressional unity in supporting Taiwan's ability to defend its democratic government against threats from the Chinese Communist Party. McCarthy says it's important to maintain the friendship between the U.S. and Taiwan. The friendship between the people of Taiwan and America is a matter of profound importance to the free world. And it is critical to maintain economic freedom, peace, and regional stability. Secretary of State Antony Blinken tried to calm concerns from Beijing by saying that 
Taiwanese presidents have always had transit stops in the U.S. Beijing should not use the transits as an excuse to take any actions, to ratchet up tensions, uh, to um, further push it, uh, changing the status quo. Meanwhile, Chinese officials angrily condemn McCarthy's meeting with Tsai and warned of countermeasures and consequences. The Chinese embassy in Washington sent an email to lawmakers warning that such meetings signal serious political provocations. Mark Esper, the former Secretary of Defense, says that the meeting sends a strong message. Well, look, this is clearly different than when Speaker Pelosi traveled last summer and actually visited Taipei. And I was actually there two weeks before her and visiting with President Tsai and her cabinet. So it was a very strong message of support from Speaker Pelosi at the time. And, and now we have President Tsai has decided to meet with Speaker McCarthy here in the United States, as you, you, you talked about in your lead up. Another very important meeting. And he's also doing it in a bipartisan fashion, I understand. So it sends a very important uh, message of support to Taiwan and asserts the fact that American officials will meet whoever they want, wherever they want, and that we will support Taiwan. The former Secretary of Defense points out that the meeting has political implications for Tsai back in Taiwan as well. I think uh, Pelosi's visit was more dramatic last year. Uh, uh, President Tsai has visited the United States or transited through, if you will, at least a half dozen times before. Her predecessors have done so as well. But look, the, the important dynamic here, too, is in less than a year, in January of next year, there's an important election coming up in Taiwan, and um, it'll be between the two contending parties. And interestingly, the KMT, which is a nationalist party, a former head of the nationalist party, uh, uh, Ma Yingjiao, is actually in China right now. So you see what's happening here, are the dynamics being set up for a very uh, tough election fight next January, that China will react to that as well, depending on the outcome. Esper argues that it's China who's trying to change the status quo by ramping up their aggressive posture against Taiwan. Well, ever since we opened up relations with China in the 1970s, we've been guided by a number of communiques and importantly, the Taiwan Relations Act. And it's important to note that the United States has never recognized China's assertion of some type of authority over Taiwan. We've acknowledged that they believe that, but we've never recognized it. And that's added a a degree of stability to the relationship for a number of years. It's China that's actually trying to change the rules of the game and trying to uh, up the ante through military exercises, through through threats of retaliation, things like that, that they're trying to unilaterally change the status quo, which we have always said uh, we will not tolerate. And, and President, President Biden has said so as well. Beijing carried out live-fire military exercises around the island in retaliation for a visit in August by Nancy Pelosi who issued an endorsement for McCarthy's meeting with Psy. A Missouri tornado kills five in the latest wave of severe weather. Daybreak Insider's Lisa Dwyer has had a look at the damage. Authorities say five people were killed when a tornado tore through an area of rural southeastern Missouri before dawn on Wednesday. The twister caused significant destruction in and around the small communities of Glen Allen and Grassy, about 50 miles south of St. Louis. The tornado was spawned by a large storm system moving through the Midwest and the South. The system was the third in a series of massive storms to strike the nation's heartland over the past two weeks. The storms have killed at least 65 people. I'm Lisa Dwyer. 
Tuesday, Donald Trump was charged on 34 felony counts during his arraignment, each stemming from an alleged hush money payment of $130,000 to an adult film star. However, law experts have pointed out that in the public statements from the Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, there are references to tax law violations. This makes them believe that perhaps Bragg is hedging his bets by bringing a broader case against the former president. The case is built on falsification of business records charges. Under New York law, falsifying business records is a misdemeanor, one that can be bumped up to a felony when done to obscure another crime. Yet, Bragg seems to hang much of his case on election laws, which may put Bragg on complex legal ground because he will have to demonstrate that the alleged hush money payments were made as an effort to influence the 2016 election. Donald Trump's attorneys have already begun to counter the allegations. Joe Takapina is a lawyer representing Donald Trump joined the Salem Radio Network and says that, in his opinion, this is the legal system being weaponized for political purposes. It was um, surreal, to put it mildly, Joe, and it was also enraging um, because I, I just I could not believe it had come to that. I was holding out hope to the last minute that this was going to be resolved without them bringing an indictment because there, if, if you ever had any doubt about the validity of this indictment, you know, when it came out yesterday, it really shredded any of those doubts. But this is really um, nothing more than the weaponization of our, our justice system. And in the United States, Joe, it's something that I hoped we had never going to see. I mean, you know, Nazi Germany and yes. the Soviet Union and yes. Communist China, that's how they used to do things. That's how they used to do things. Takapina believes that Bragg was simply looking to find a crime because he hated Donald Trump. They literally picked a guy, Donald J. Trump, their, their arch enemy who they hated, you know, the book from one of their prosecutors who came out and wrote a book in violation of all sorts of laws, you know, said that. They picked the guy and then they were looking for the crime. That is not how it's supposed to work here. Takapina points out that the FEC has already looked into these allegations and has found no wrongdoing by Donald Trump or the Trump 2016 campaign. What I'd love for him to do is be the one to actually get up in front of a jury if he ever gets that far, which it shouldn't, by the way, and try yeah. the case. Yeah. That's what I'd love. Let's see Alvin Bragg stand up before the jury and <laughs> with those with those powerful or, or <laughs> skills of an order, um, get up there and explain how to a jury this is a crime. I mean, you understand yeah. if this were anyone else in the United States of America, this never would have been prosecuted. It, it, you know, they, they're making they're taking out of out of statute limitations misdemeanors that they could never bring, cobbling them together, trying to make a felony out of them. And, and, Joe, it is, I'm telling you, not because I represent the guy, because it's the, the, there's no crime here. The Federal Election Committee, the FEC, who oversees this stuff, said there was no, there was no mis, mis, uh, misappropriation yep. of, of any campaign finance laws. There was nothing that was there. Um, you know, you, you have Bradley Smith, the FEC chairman, ex-FEC chairman, said there's no way this falls under uh, the federal election laws, and there was no obligation for him to notify them. The lawyer for Donald Trump goes on to highlight what he feels is a double standard in the application of the law. Hillary Clinton yeah. was last 
year fined $130,000 fined by the FEC for, for misclassifying a campaign expenditure as legal fees. So the Steele dossier, you know, that famous Steele dossier, the Russian hoax thing about yeah. high Trump to Russia, right? Yeah. He paid $130,000 for dirt on a political opponent, which is legal, by the way. But her campaign classified that payment of 130000 for dirt as yeah. legal fees. Yeah. Sound familiar? <laughs> That's what Donald Trump's getting for, except the problem is he used full money, and it was for legal services. It was for a legal fee. It was a resolution of the civil case that this lawyer had built them over the course of a year. It's, 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 it's mind-boggling. Takapina fills us in on how Donald Trump is feeling at the moment. No, no, no. He's needs a different level, yeah. you know, of tough. And he's, yeah. he's angry. Don't get me wrong, but he's angry, but he's also you know, yep. resolute in knowing he's going to fight this case and we're going to win it. Trump on Tuesday pleaded not guilty on all 34 counts, but it's still not entirely clear what charges Bragg intends to bring. Another transgender bill passes in the nation's midsection. Daybreak Insider's Keith Peters has more on the controversy and the details inside the bill. A Kansas bill that would order that people use bathrooms and locker rooms corresponding to their gender at birth has cleared the Republican-controlled legislature. The state Senate voted 28 to 12 on Tuesday with one vote more than a two-thirds majority that would be needed to override Democratic Governor Laura Kelly's expected veto. It also would prevent people from changing their gender on driver's licenses. Keith Peters reporting. Progressives won a couple of major victories in the Midwest on Tuesday in what some suggest could have implications heading into the 2024 elections. Major liberal, even progressive wins in Wisconsin and Chicago in last night's elections. It changes everything. Republicans tell us about the political landscape. Chicagoans overwhelmingly voted out liberal mayor Lori Lightfoot because they thought she was soft on crime, among other grievances. So in response, they have elected Lori Lightfoot on steroids, literally. In Wisconsin, the Supreme Court race, the Badger state elected an openly progressive judge with a very soft record on crime. Both sides made the race a proxy for an upcoming abortion case. Progressives are looking for ways to try and connect with voters ahead of 2024 and see their wins in Chicago and in one race in Wisconsin as making sort of headway at the state and local levels. Chris Steyerwald is News Nation's political editor and says that both elections are important, but one may have more implications nationally. These are significant uh these are significant elections. There's no question about it. Chicago is a huge city, uh, and what happens in Chicago is important, and Chicago is a very unhealthy city, uh, and what happens in Chicago has effects for other people. Um, uh, I, would, I would sort of be careful about drawing too broad a conclusion about the national political climate based on what happened in Chicago for a lot of reasons, one of which uh, relates to the intense ethnic divisions inside Chicago politics and how things played out along those lines. The Wisconsin case is uh, the Wisconsin uh, result is a big deal, right? Because this function in most states, we don't elect uh, Supreme Court justices. Looking ahead, Steyerwald lays out what the win in Wisconsin may mean. 
this ended up functioning like a Senate race or like a gubernatorial race. This function, this had high intensity, massive spending, the most expensive judicial election in American history, uh, and the lines were clearly defined. The fight was, look, the Republicans aired, as you alluded to, because they picked a guy who had lost in 2020. They picked him again. He came back. He, as you can tell, is not a gracious person or, or a good candidate. Um, but what was really being litigated in that was about abortion, First and foremost, so Wisconsin has a law from before the Civil War that's on the books about abortion. Uh, the Republicans don't want to bring up the issue to try to pass a new updated version, uh, but pro-lifers on the Republican side, there's a lot of internal pressures on the Republican side about how to address this question. So what is likely to happen is this is going to court, and it's going to probably now be struck down because, as you alluded to, uh, the Democrat I shouldn't say the Democrat backed candidate. These are both offices are technically nonpartisan. The Democratic backed candidate made it very clear that she was there uh, to strike down uh, that case. So it's a big deal. For the first time in recent memory, the automobile industry is a seller's market. Skyrocketing interest rates may have new cars turning into luxury purchases. According to multiple reports, the average price for a new vehicle hit $49,500 at the end of last year, compared to 38948 just three years earlier. More affordable vehicles under the $25,000 range are becoming scarce and are now less than 5% of all sales. Between high sticker prices and brutal interest rates, more than 15% of new car buyers now shell out more than $1,000 in monthly loan payments. Reporter Garrett Archer is breaking down for us the new financing figures. The rise in prices is strongly correlated with an increase in the amount that people are financing. The average amount financed for new vehicles since 2008 is about $29,000. For used vehicles, that's $18,000. Latest data shows that the financing amount for new vehicles is now just under $40,000. And for used vehicles, that's $25,000. That's a 36% growth for both. And to offset the monthly costs of a higher loan, terms are increasing. Gone are the days of the four-year auto loan. Even five-year loans are the minority. We're now, talking, we're now taking an average of about 66 to 67 months to pay off a car. And you can see that that's not much of a change for the new cars. It's the terms for the used cars that really caught up to those new ones. Archer explains for Daybreak Insider why we're seeing a surge in car prices. Now, why is this happening? Like most things, a large factor is supply and demand. In 2021, inventory plummeted to under one month supply. We are usually around two or three months. As for overall prices, according to car gurus, the average price for all used vehicles right now is just under 29,000. That's a 2% increase in 30 days, but a 6% drop year over year. This pattern holds across all vehicle types. So basically, unless Unless you absolutely need to buy a car right now, it's probably best to wait a while until inventories improve and prices fall a little. As a result, many consumers are now holding on to their cars. By one projection, the average age of a car in the U.S. is now 12 years. That is an all-time high. 
The Justice Department has tentatively settled a lawsuit over the 2017 mass shooting at a Texas church. Daybreak Insider's John Scott gives us more on this developing story. Victims and their families will be paid more than $144 million. More than two dozen people were killed when Devin Patrick Kelly opened fire during a Sunday service at First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs. Kelly had served in the Air Force before the attack. A U.S. District Judge previously said the Air Force was 60% liable for the attack because it failed to submit Kelly's assault conviction during his time in the Air Force to a national database. John Scott reporting. Outside of the United States this fall, you'll probably need to get your passport in order now. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens has what you need to know. The U.S. State Department says obtaining a passport could take up to four months due to a recent backlog of passports. The State Department says prepare for a wait time between 10 and 13 weeks to process a routine application. If you apply by mail, add four more weeks. Paying an extra $60 for an expedited application will still take seven to nine weeks. Tasha Stevens reporting. And finally, got me cheese. for all the cheese lovers out there, there is a new way to enjoy the creamy culinary favorite. It's now on the menu of Life Wedgewater, a luxury spa in Madison, Wisconsin. It will give customers a variety of beauty and wellness treatments, all highlighting iconic cheeses. I'm not so sure this appeals to everybody. A cheese spa? Yeah, I I like the spa part. Cheese. It's all cheese. They use cheese. I didn't know cheese has rind, but they use cheese rind for exfoliation. Did I even say Exfoliation. Did I say that? I didn't say it right, did I? I mean, sort of. It was... was, (laughs) Sort of? (laughs) You you kind of played it out a little bit. Exfoliation. Wisconsin cheese on your eyes. Like cucumbers? Right. Only, you know, Wisconsin cheese. And then it's the Limburger cheese for, you know, moisturation. Did I even say that right? You're you're kind of throwing it out, moisturizing or... There's a Gouda waxing with Gouda cheese. Let's go back to Limburger. Limburger cheese and they're... Moisturize. Do you know what Limburger cheese smells like? Oh, it's beautiful. It's the best smelling cheese it's, around. It's stanky cheese. Mm-hmm. It's like gym sock cheese. Gym sock It is. Wedgewater wants to capitalize on consumer interest in the recently revealed benefits of cheese. A spokesperson for Wedgewater says, quote, Our research shows that the essential proteins, natural fats, and amino acids in cheese provide the ultimate moisturizing and anti-aging benefit. There's a definite irony in the fact that a five-year-aged cheddar face mask can help you look five years younger, end quote. Some cheese is blue, yellow too, a Swiss and cheddar in fondue. I like a chunky chunk of cheese. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. 